Ah, great. Thank you. Oh, I am looking forward to this uh, party. Um, it's also exactly the date, the 14th of November, uh, when Anne and I uh, got married. Uh, so it's, it's also celebrating that, 41 years. Uh, uh, so it's going to be a, a great time, lots of rocking it. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of my style of fun. Um, <laughs> Um, and uh, just thank you to this great woman uh, who's stood with me over these many years. Um, so um, it's, uh, it's great to be back. It's my first time preaching after being away on sabbatical over the summer. Uh, Anne and I had a great time uh, getting refreshed in God, so we took some time out. Um, we had some time with our family, we had some time away, we had some time uh, going to the Hillsongs conference, um, and there were some things that we kind of brought back and that God's been speaking to me about that I just feel like it'd be just great to sort of do things slightly differently. So we're going to start that um, this preach this morning, okay, wait and see. Um, so um, we're getting back into the swing of things. Um, and uh, sort of second week back it was for me, and um, everything was kind of going well, and uh, relaxed and calm and everything, and uh, then we got broken into at our house, uh, which is the first time it's happened for us in sort of 14 years in, uh, in Edinburgh. Happened quite a lot in Newcastle, I've got to say. Anybody from Newcastle here? Yeah, you'll know that kind of, you know, that thing. Just kind of, we used to sort of put money aside each month. Uh, for it. <laughs> Part around the corner and all that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I remember it well. Um, and um, so if it wasn't just depressing enough to see on this particular night uh, England getting thrashed by Wales at the rugby, um, we returned home at 11.30, uh, Anne, myself, and Dave Holden, um, who was up with us, to find that our back door had been smashed in, uh, and the house quickly ransacked. Fortunately, not a lot was uh, stolen. I think probably we might have disturbed them, um, and uh, probably the most annoying thing was getting the car keys kind of stolen, um, which meant I had to kind of change the security locks and everything else like that. Anyway, um, that evening, so we had this kind of, you've got to imagine the back door. So the back door is a um, PVC back door, uh, but the middle of it is is double glazing glass, okay, so you can sort of see right through it. Nice lot of light coming in, uh, but it's also a nice place to be able to walk right through uh, if you smash it. So we had this kind of, kind of literally sort of man-sized hole, that was sort of like this <laughs> in the back door, <laughs> where obviously they kind of made a hasty getaway. Um, and um, so I rang up some places. This is sort of now getting into kind of half, half 12 at night. Uh, I rang up some places the 24-hour, you know, come any time. Uh, and the guy says to me, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm looking after my kids, I can't come. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, right, okay. So I'm thinking, actually, what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to, I'd rung the police, they said they're going to be here, which sort of meant I'll, we'll come in about seven hours' time. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so we kind of, so I was, went to sleep in the living room, okay, fully clothed um, and kind of barricaded the door slightly because obviously there's just, just a gaping hole. Uh, you, you know, anybody could kind of walk in again. Um, and there we were, kind of in this, in this place. Um, and in some ways, that kind of 
I, I came back to the office uh, and uh, the next week I said, well, the one really good thing about it, guys, is that it's really set me up well as a really great story for uh, this next part in terms of <laughs> Nehemiah 4, uh, where he's kind of getting hassled on the walls and he's coming under a lot of kind of uh, attack and stuff and he's preparing himself well, often telling them to, to stay fully clothed at night and to be ready. And I thought, that's exactly what I've had to do. So, so it's kind of set me up quite well in that way. Um, <clears throat> Uh, the Bible warns us that in this life, I don't know if whether I wasn't here for that preach in the morning because I was actually having to kind of watch the, uh, the back door and the people coming to sort things out. Um, so the Bible tells us that thieves will break in and steal, okay? And uh, I think one of the policemen said uh, to Dave, said, uh, gosh, you know, does this challenge your faith? You know, that actually uh, he, he got his iPad nick. Um, you know, does this sort of challenge your faith? He said, no, no, not at all, because the Bible's told me that, that thieves will break in and steal, uh, that don't store up riches in heaven, uh, on earth, you know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's say earth there. Uh, <coughs> don't store up riches on earth uh, because of that point, and things will wear out. So we're kind of told ahead of time. So it shouldn't be a big shock, should it? Um, we live in this fallen world where, you know, greedy people will at times do that kind of thing. That's the world we live in. Um, Christ came for a fallen world. Christ came so that we actually can demonstrate God's love and do something different and demonstrate a different heart and a different sense of, well, I'm trusting in God. And I think we see through this passage, which I'm about to talk about, in Nehemiah, that he did exactly that. He trusted in God. He demonstrated a different heart. And where others started getting fearful, he operated differently. And it's a great challenge for us to operate differently in times of challenge, okay? I'm sure that many of you, you know, I've just told you my little story uh, of the kind of month. Um, But I'm sure many of you are facing challenge. You're facing things that you're thinking, my goodness, can it get any worse you know, are there, you know, what is going to happen next? And you're, cha- you're just challenged. It's just things that are going on for you. It could be relational things. It could be all sorts of things. It could be health things. You know, and there are challenges that do challenge us. The issue is that God's calling us to saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to stand with me. I'm with you here. And I am going to see it through. Trust me. Um, so... Um, I think the good news is that as we read the Bible, we realize that this isn't a new problem. It's been around a long time. And it's very encouraging that actually when the Bible often has a lot of kind of problems that you're thinking, and then they hit another problem. We had it, we've just been, many of us were on the academy, which is sort of a kind of Bible training course over the last weekend. And we were just hearing it in the book of Acts. You know, why is it that the last eight chapters seem to just Kind of, kind of fizzle down, seem to, to not kind of build up to great sort of crescendo of more healings and it all seems to kind of go slightly wrong. And the reason is, is that God wants to show us that actually they're trusting God even when Paul's imprisoned, 
even when it looks like, no, it's not. How many churches did he plant in the last few years? Not many, <laughs> because he was, he was under God and things. And we're actually, it's important for us to see we, we draw from those things and see God is on our side. And yet, how, what's my attitude like? How do I respond when I come under those kind of challenges in my life? And uh, Nehemiah is a great example for us uh, to inspire us and to equip us and to fill us with new faith and courage um, that we might see God being the answer in every single situation. I want to say that to you guys up there. You know, God is the, the answer to every situation that you're facing. Amen? Let's hear it upstairs. Amen? That's one of the things, just actually getting a bit of feedback, you know, just getting a bit of, get an echo, let's do it again, that's great. Let's have it downstairs. <laughs> God is the answer. Yes. So good. Okay. <laughs> I've got to keep doing that. <laughs> We're in Nehemiah 4. Um, what I'm going to do here is rather than read the whole passage, uh, you can open it up. Um, in your Bibles or on your tablets or whatever, uh, I'm going to kind of give you the just a quick preview through it, and we're going to look at just key little verses, okay, uh, later on. So, um, haven't quite got to that slide yet. Um, so, so here's Nehemiah. For we're working through this this Old Testament book. Nehemiah um, had been so moved by God about the lack of security for God's people. God's people had been captured, and it's important that we catch this point, that we don't forget this point. God's people had been captured for 70 years by a foreign power and enslaved. What kind of attitude do you think they had as they came back from that slavery? They were, you know, were they like, yeah, we are the champions, you know, we've won, or are they kind of like, man, that was tough, you know, we're kind of almost going back in dribs and drabs, you know, and Nehemiah is aware that they still haven't built this, they, 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 they're wide open. It's like they've got their back door smashed open. They're wide open. The wall has not been built up. And he is passionate that he senses that the call of God for him, he's kind of looking around, anybody else doing it? There were other people that could have done it, but obviously they haven't. So he just takes it on. He takes it on. He gets courageous and he thinks, you know what? This has just got to be done and it's got to be done now. We've got to build this wall to bring security for the people of God. So they're not bashed about. So they're not uh, vulnerable to attack. And we've got a decent wall built. And he set about to do that. Um, and you'd think that actually it would just run through. That That's what he did. He just built the wall and they all got busy. They built the wall and that was that. But what we see in Nehemiah 4 was that it, it was... Slightly more difficult because there were other folk who were around who were not in favor of this. They, they got threatened about it, actually, and they started acting in all sorts of ways 
they started uh, making it really difficult, and we'll look at that in a second, for these people. So it just exacerbated the problem. You know, whereas it could have been just, let's just build the wall, they were then facing this, this difficulty. So I want to look at three, what I'm calling three escalators, okay? Three escalators. So they started to build the wall, grabbing the stones that had laid, let's face it, discarded for 70 years. Just think about that. You think about an old, think about, just in your head at the moment, just think about an old, just think about an old ruined, you know, kind of monument somewhere that you kind of, you've seen, that you kind of go down. There's one in Cranham, doesn't there? So you kind of go along the water, or wherever it is that you're thinking. But think about that. Just all those kind of stones just kind of lying there. 70 years. That's, let's face it, guys, that's older than me. <laughs> <laughs> and they're kind of lying there, just moss-covered and burnt, because, of course, it got burnt. So they're burnt stones. They're crumbly stones. And they're trying to build this thing. And he's opposed by this guy called Sanballat uh, and his Ammonite gang. And there's also Tobiah in that as well. And these three escalators, first of all, A, gets angry and starts to mock and ridicule the Jewish workforce. B, they start to cause a disturbance. Okay, so first of all, it's kind of mockery and ridicule and it's just, you know. And kind of like, you're never going to do this, you're never going to. So it's, it's this kind of thing. Just hear these, the way that this strategy goes. So first of all, angry and mocking. Secondly, disturbance. Thirdly, threatening to kill them. So it really builds up the ante. Okay? So it's not, just, it's not just sort of, you know, nicknames and <laughs> trying to kind of make them sound small. They actually are now ganging together and deciding how they're going to kill these builders. God has clearly given Nehemiah a vision to call to see the walls repaired, the barrier of protection installed for the Jewish people. And um, it just made me think what a good example this is of actually what leadership is. I think it's what elders are called to do for the flock of God. We're actually called to bring protection for the flock of God and to, to, to look after the flock, but to protect the flock and to be looking at that. Uh, how do we do that? So that actually you can grow and be a community without threat. I think it's what husbands are called to do for their families. I think it's what youth leaders are called to do for the youth group. I think it's what small group leaders are called to do for your small group. That's our midweek meetings. Many of you in work situations where you have employees that you're overseeing, you're called to bring some kind of protection. You're looking at how do I care? How do I actually think about some of those things that are could be potential difficulties and harmful things. Whether you're a teacher or whether you're in the medical profession, you're thinking about those things all the time. How can I bring this kind of level of protection? So I'm saying, I think it's, it's really key. It, it affects 
all of our lives. Creating a safe environment, defending the weak. It's what actually God does for us. He is, we know, our great shepherd. That's what he's doing. He's, he's creating a safe environment for us. And he's defending the weak and he's protecting. Paul, in his final words to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, he kind of says, this is what's going to happen. And then you're going to come in uh, unawares, as it were, and they're going to attack the flock. And I'm telling you as elders, I'm commissioning you as elders, you need to get ready for that. You need to prepare for that. That's what I'm commissioning you to do. We see it a lot over and over again. God knew that God was his provider and his protector. And we need to know the same. Now let's look at this um, scripture. Now it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. And he spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble? Even the burnt ones? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him and said, Even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone down. Sambalit was furious. He was angry. There was a mocking. It was coming out of this heart. It wasn't just like, oh, let's have a bit of fun, guys. It was actually, he was, he was angry. He was threatened. Okay, and that's often when we're coming under that from people. People at work, I just want to say that. People at work, we're kind of, they're threatened. And we're thinking, why do they keep kind of mocking me so much? Why do I keep getting this hassle all the time? Why don't they, you know, I've got better things to do. And yet they niggle, 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 niggle. And it keeps coming. And it's because they're threatened. They're threatened. I want you to notice, just on this scripture, that <laughs> notice, notice the context. Notice where Sambalat chooses to start this uh, mockery. It says, in the presence of his brothers and wealthy men. Often, it's kind of, we're more humiliated in front of people in authority. Uh, it's not just on their own. He's actually he's got these other people there. He's, kind of, he's using the crowd to actually add to it. They're made to feel utterly humiliated. They, as I said, they've already been captives, slaves, for goodness sake. Horrible things happened to them. They've been abused. They haven't had any rights They've been part of a foreign power to do with them as they see fit. So their sense of worth and value is rock bottom. So when this comes, it's like, he's absolutely right. <laughs> he's absolutely, we're just pathetic. <laughs> Look at us, come in here, trying to put these bricks together. I want to say, many of us, God has brought us, and if we were to get your backstory, you would tell us about things where you've been affected and abused, messed up. Basically, in a place where 
You're like, I really, I understand exactly how that feels. Another case, when, when we're sort of up and we're feeling great about ourselves, these, these kind of comments would just bounce off. But in this situation, it really sticks. It really goes right into you and you really feel it. Yeah? We can get discouraged. What am I building with? He's, he's dead, right? It's just rubble. Well, well, these crumbly, burnt stones, what's the point? And we get discouraged to the point where we listen to it and we give up and we just kind of, yeah, who am I? And it's just, it's just it's too big of a task. And I want to say that is the case for many of us, that actually we face that. We really face that. And God is wanting to speak to you this morning and say, I want you to be like Nehemiah. I want you to hear how he dealt with it. And he had strategies to deal with it. And we can learn from it. And God is wanting to say, I have a purpose and a plan for you. And I know your background. And I know the burnt bricks thing. But I'm with you. And we are going to see this done. And you are going to be involved in building a fantastic wall for me. So let's look at Nehemiah's responses, and we can learn four things. One, the first thing that he does is he calls out to God. That is his first response. That needs to be our first response. He calls out to God. He doesn't try to pretend. He doesn't try to kind of cover over the point. He says, verse 4, hear, O God. Hear, O our God, how we are despised. doesn't try and cover it. He's honest about it. He's direct about it. God, I am faced. I do feel pathetic right now. God, I am in a situation where people are hassling me and it really gets to me. Don't try, oh, no, 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 it doesn't really get to me. Yeah, no, it really is getting to me. He's being honest about it. We need to be honest about it. Hear me? We need to be honest about it. But he, in that honesty, we're calling out. We're saying, God, you know that this is really is getting to me. I don't want it to get to me, but it is really getting to me. And I'm being honest about it. And I'm calling out to you, God, because you are the great God. And that's what he's doing. And he says, I mean, strong stuff. Return their reproach on their own heads. Give them up for plunder in a land of captivity. Don't forgive their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out before you. That's strong stuff. For they have demoralized the builders. This wasn't a, a future thing. This wasn't, it might happen. This was, we are we're demoralized. My workers, we, were, we started so enthusiastically. And to be really honest, People are at an all-time low. Verse 9. But we prayed to our God, and because of them we set up a guard against them day and night. We pray to our God. He calls out to God. He calls the people. People are discouraged. They're low. They're feeling like, I just want to give up on this thing. It's just too difficult. Uh, 
And he calls and he says, let's trust in God. Let put our, let's, don't put your trust in yourself. Put your trust in God. God is the one who's behind us. God is actually the one who... And it's a difficult thing for, for us to totally to kind of see that. But God is the one that actually, to be honest, because we were so far from him, he was behind the captivity. This wasn't just something that was just... There was just bad men that got their own way. Bad nations that actually were just, just more powerful than God was. No. No, 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 that's not the case. The case is that actually God was behind that process in order to help the nation to bring it back to God, that we might become again a nation that is trusting in God. And he's saying to these people, we are going to trust in God. And it's so vital for us when we get frightened, when we're under attack, that actually we're trusting in our Creator. We, Anne and I, face this again just personally in this thing. We are not going to get under fear that actually, oh my goodness, are they going to break in again? What's going to happen? What's going to, you know, da 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 You know, actually, we're going to trust in God. We're going to trust in God. And it's so important. We trust in God. The second point is that there is power of the community. So first thing, he trusts in God. Second thing, it says, even though Sambalat conspired, it says that, um, with the others to fight against Jerusalem and cause disturbance. He brings the whole community together, verse 8, to fight as one man. He stations men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall. He stations the people in families. Later it says he got half of them building while half of them held spears and shields. There is that sense that he is drawing and he's using the community to bring strength and to bring encouragement for one another. Come on, we're going to do this together. It's not just each of you on your own. It's no, we're all together in this. Do you hear that? It's a, really important. When we're kind of feeling like, oh my goodness, you know, everything's going, well, sh- share that. First of all with God, but then secondly, you know, get some help. That's what we're together for. It's to get some help as a community, as a community of God. Actually saying, man, this is difficult. This is real tough right now. And we're pulling together the community. Such an important part of what we are. God hasn't isolated us. He's put us in families, it says. And it's important that we sense that's why we have small groups. So it makes it real so that we actually know people that are going, that th- what things are going on in their lives that week, at work, at university, in their families, health things, different things. So we've got some knowledge of that to actually help and pray for one another. Don't be too proud to get help. He also stations more resources on the weaker areas where the walls are down the most. Listen to that. So what does that say? It says that we need to put... It's not just the same distribution across the line. It's actually that we need to station our more resources for ourselves at the weaker spots for ourselves. If you know there's weaker things for you, things that actually, you know, when you're under pressure, do you get panicky? (laughs) Do you get panicky? Yeah? What's your response? Maybe you're the other way. Maybe when you come under pressure, you get, you get kind of stroppy and kind of a bit controlling. Uh, uh, can I see you right now? No, sorry. I'm doing this right now. I'm so... 
and you're kind of like, you're sort of like, and you're, you're sort of, you're in kind of operation mode. And it's like, you know, and that's how you cope with these things. And you're like, oh, I just said, you know, I was just saying hi. And suddenly you're just, whoa, you know, what's going on? You know, <laughs> we need to station things there that help us when we've got areas that are low areas. Okay, you're under stress. I hear that. So we need to help you. Let's just change things a bit. Let's not cram our diary so full because obviously you're getting stressed because there's lots on. So let's not do those things. Let's kind of make it simpler. We're putting more strategy into that area so that it calms us down. We need to be wise about it. We all sometimes get discouraged and we crash at those points. Know your weakest areas. And thirdly, Nehemiah addresses the fear, verse 14. When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke. He doesn't just hope, he exhorts, it says, first of all, the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. There's a time to address the fear. They were fear because they, they'd heard, overheard them talking about coming to kill them. And he wasn't just hoping it goes away. Don't listen to them, don't listen. He wasn't saying that. He addresses it. He challenges their heart. To not fear, but to trust. Don't be afraid of them, he says. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. We need to remember to exhort others and not to panic, but to trust in the Lord. He's not just saying, he's not just saying trust in the Lord. He's, he's, saying, he's saying, remember how big God is. Remember how strong God is. Remember who he is. Let's remember again about his faithfulness to us. Don't come under fear. He had, and we need to address it. In ourselves. And then fourthly, the people are spread out, it says. So this, 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 is, a, this is a big wall, okay? And Nehemiah is saying, it is great and extensive. The workers are separated on the wall from each other, verse 19. And you know what this made me think about? We're building a wall. We're building a wall. We were down this week at some prayer days, a number of us, seven of us, um, down in um, Sidcup, which is sort of London, Kent way. Um, and we're part of a network of churches. Again, it's about the community. We're doing it together. But actually, there's a time, so there's a time where, because they're really spread out on this wall, what he's seen is the problem is that they can come under attack over here and we need a way of rallying all the troops and the people near to kind of come and help. So this is a way of saying, actually, oh, right, you're in trouble. How do we know you're in trouble? Because you can't shout because it's kind of, you know, it's just too far. You can't, it gets lost. Uh, so they kind of blow trumpets. There's a kind of blowing of trumpets and they, they have a rally cry where people are called to this spot. And they, they come, and they get stirred, okay? And they're rallying to it. And I think there's times for us where there's a rallying of actually what God's doing. We have things like Ashburnham that we went to, and there's a rallying. There's a, there's a sense of saying, you know, there's brothers that we've got in Germany, in Holland, in France, in Italy, in Scotland, uh, that actually God's rallying, he's bringing people together, and he's saying, come, we need some help here. 
And I think it's just great that actually we have rally cries. Last year here, we had rally cry in Micon 15. We're going to do another one next year where we had other people come up. And there's a kind of rally cry, there's a kind of trumpet blowing out and saying, come and help us here. We need a bit of help in this place. Yeah? God is calling. And I think it's great that we have that. I want to say to you this morning, this is God's wall. We're part of God's wall. It's not a different wall. This is God's wall. And it's joined up. And there's weak bits, and there's strong bits. And sometimes you, sometimes other churches are going to come under attack. And they're going to be, man, it's hard right now. Man, let me tell you what's happening in terms of sickness to these people. God wants us to be joined up, not separate. He's calling us together as a community. He's given us a part to play in his great plan. We were outcasts, like those in captivity, being in captivity. We were outcasts. We weren't, we weren't involved in any wall building. We weren't involved. We were off. We were captive. What were we captive to? We were captive to our own passions, to the whims of others, purposelessness, wondering, trying to make sense of it all. Maybe you're still there. Maybe you're still asking yourself that question. What's the point of it all? What's the point of my life? It's just purposelessness. You know what God's saying to you? He's saying, Come and join me in this magnificent task of building this wall for me. I'm building a wall. I'm coming to build a wall. I sent my son to die on the cross that the victory would be won. And we come in the back of that in the victory of Christ and we're rejoicing. Do you know, when I read this passage from Nehemiah, these weren't professionals. You'd think, oh yeah, build the wall. Let's get the joiners in. Uh, how many years have you served? Okay, we'll get you on the door. Uh, have you ever built a wall before? <laughs> Do you know how to mix cement? Never had thought about it. Never did that at all in my life. Okay. He doesn't call professionals. He just calls anybody's. If you're anybody here today, God is calling you. He's saying, it doesn't matter whether whatever happened in your past, whether you were abused, I'm calling you to come and to be part of what I'm doing. I am mighty God. And I'm looking for you to come and take risk 
and to be courageous for me. To overcome reticent and to join in. Not to be put off by other people and other things that like, yeah, but I get made fun of at work. Every time I say I'm kind of wanting to follow Christ, it's kind of such a joke. God's saying, yeah, never mind about them. Never mind about them. I'm calling you to get involved in what I'm doing. I want you to come. And there's some of us here today and you have, we heard it just earlier on, Luke was very good in how he led us uh, in the worship in in saying, there are some that are saying, I I used to be a great wall builder, just got, to be honest, I just found it wasn't my thing. I, 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 I just, I don't know, I just think it's probably other people that are just so much better than I am at it. And to be honest, I'm just so useless. I, I just feel kind of like, you know, what is it about me? God's saying, I, I, no, I want you. I want you. This is all that it's all about. This is what planet Earth's all been about. This is what your life is all about. It's about building this wall for me. It's about being involved in what I came to do. I died on the cross to start this process. And I'm building this wall that is bringing protection and strength and love across the world. It's affecting the whole world. That the whole world may know that actually it's about my love for humankind and God's calling you he wants you to lay aside your worry and fear and sense of worthlessness and actually join him even Jesus you know he says he says he's facing the biggest thing in his life John 12 and he says now my soul has become troubled and what shall I say father save me from this hour what shall I say even Jesus gets troubled in soul we're thinking yeah 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 no you never face any of that no no he did you at times troubled in your soul. Even Jesus got troubled in soul. So he says to himself, shall I ask the Father I could, just kind of take me out of this, just lift me up now, just take me out of this place right now. I, I've, had it. I've, I've had enough of this. I don't want to do any of this, kind of, this stuff anymore. I, I, I don't want to go through with this thing. And he finishes and he says, but for this purpose I came. For this hour. But for this purpose, I came for this hour. He knew he was called for this purpose. I want to say, Nehemiah knew that this hour, and it only was a few days, he was called for that purpose to get involved in building that wall. And Jesus knew his purpose. I want to say, do you know your purpose? in terms of what God's calling you to. Don't let anybody put you off. 
be fearless. Just faithfully building brick upon brick upon brick upon brick. That's what God calls us to do. We've got that great passage at the end of the book of John. And there's Peter, and he's really screwed it up. And Jesus, he's, he's screwed it up, and he's like, really, like, I, I'm forgetting all this other stuff. I, I, I'm a great fisherman, and I'm just going to go back to that. I, that's what I'm going to do. I, I, I forgot this other stuff. I, I, I know you call me to be fisher of men. You've drawn me into this purpose. But to be honest, I, I'm just absolutely rubbish at it. And I, when it came down to it, I just failed the test. And I, I just, I, these other guys, they, they, they're your people. Me, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a fisherman. I'm just off. I, I forget it. And Jesus calls him. And he, he calls him on, the, on the, the side of, of Galilee. And he just calls him. He says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, you know I love you, Lord. I don't know if I want to do this thing, but I know I love you. Well, I'm calling you back into purpose. I'm saying I want you to feed my sheep, feed my lambs. I want you to be part of my purposes again. And he says it three times. He commissions him back in. I want to say to you today, if you are somebody who has kind of strayed away from that, and let me tell you, each one of us you know, there's times I feel like that as well. God calls us and he says, come back into what I'm calling you to do. This was what, I love you, B. I love you. And I want you to be part of it. Let's just close our eyes a moment. I'm going to finish now. <clears throat> Maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, yeah, it's all very well, Matthew. I hear all this stuff, but you know what? I've never, I've, I've wanted to respond before, but I've never put my trust in Christ before. I'm going to give you opportunity to do so. And we're just going to, it's great to sort of respond outwardly and what I'm just going to give you opportunity to do, even here this morning, very quickly. It's just to be able to put your hand up. And I just believe that as you put your hand up, you're sort of solidifying something that's in your heart by outwardly responding. And I'm just asking you to do that on the count of three. Okay? If that's you and you're saying, God, I want to trust you. I want to be uh, part of this. I want you to call me into your plans and purposes. I don't know what my life's really about then I'm giving you this opportunity. One, God loves you so much. Two, you will never be the same. Three, why don't you just slip your hand out where you are? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any more? You can put them down. Any more? Let me pray. God, I thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy that you called us from a place where we were living useless lives 
trying to make sense of it all. And you've called us into your purposes. I thank you, God, that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And you love us and you will be with us and you will protect us. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen.